You're listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Get the knowledge you need to advance your mortgage practice quickly and efficiently from Jen Duplessis, America's Mortgage Mastery Mentor with over 37 years of experience and over $1 billion in lifetime fundings. Jen has been mentoring loan officers and realtors for over 15 years and speaking on stages across the globe. So settle in and get ready as Jen and her guests share their experience, passion, and strategies to help you crack the top producer code to reach new heights in your business. And now, here's your host, Jen Duplessis, Mortgage Mastery Mentor and Head Chicken Charge of Kinetic Spark Consulting. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. This is Jen. I have a great guest with me today. We're going to have a lot of fun. So if you're riding your bike or working out, you're probably going to want to take a lot of notes and you're probably going to laugh because we're going to talk fast. We're going to laugh. We're going to have a lot of fun. I want to introduce my guest today, Monika Sawyer. She is a life coach. She is the founder of Blissful Investor. So listen up on this, guys, because it's one thing to be an investor, but to be a happy investor, we got to talk about that, right? <laughs> and be blissful about the opportunity that you have to be an investor. Um, she is the author of the book, Choose Bliss, which we will put a connection for in there. She's from California. She graduated from Berkeley and she teaches women to be empowered with their money by showing them how to invest in real estate so that they can retire and enjoy their lives and do what I call mailbox income. <laughs> mailbox income. So Monica, welcome to the show. Hello there, Jen. Thank you for having me. I've been leaking so forward to this. <laughs> me too. Me too. I mean, just the energy in our emails. You know, most of the time emails and texts are like, blah, blah, blah. But this time, you know, even your email and my email back to you, we were like, oh, we definitely like each other and I'll be on her show. She has a podcast called Real Estate Investing for Women podcast. So I'll be on her show soon. And kind of sharing my story about investing, which I don't talk a lot about here. So it'll be really interesting to talk about that. So I want to, if you could, share with us your story, because I know you've got this really incredible story about, you know, you had $10,000, which some people don't even have. Let's be honest. <laughs> I get it. Mm -hmm. But you had $10,000 and how you turned that $10,000 into this beautiful real estate empire that you have. So give us a little back history on where you were and how you got to that 10,000 and what was that shift? Yeah. Thanks for asking that. So, yeah. um, and for being real, real specific about which story you want to hear. Because <laughs> there's so often people are like, just tell me about yourself. And I'm like, oh dear. Oh, dear. Yeah, I know. Well, I was born. Yeah, then, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And actually, we are going to go back there. So let's go. That's okay. Let me let's tell go you the story. all the way back. Yeah. <laughs> so actually, my story with real estate started before I was born. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, oh, so you're yeah. going to go back. Yeah. So your family's I'm really going estate. back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my parents came to this country as immigrants. They had an arranged marriage. They were newlyweds. They came to this completely new country as immigrants with just $200 in their pocket. Wow. And they had heard that the golden ticket to wealth in the United States was to invest in real estate. So a couple of years later, I was born. I was their first child. And with their hearts filled with joy and hope, you know how new parents are, right? Yeah. And excitement for what they could provide, they decided they were going to start investing in real estate. So they started saving all of their nickels and dimes. And eventually, <laughs> when I was three years old, they bought their very first rental property. So now fast forward 15 years, 
And when I was 18, they were able to pay for my college education through real estate. Yeah. They did the same for my sisters and they did our wedding. So anyways, real estate really provided this incredible opportunity for having the lifestyle that my parents wanted for their family. And so I got to see that my whole life. Now, the thing is, I'd also seen (laughs) my dad going through all the stress around real estate investing and any of your investors on the call, they're like, yes, we've heard about the tenants and the mortgages and the calls late at night to fix house, right? There's all these things that come up. And of course, those things came up for my dad. So By the time I was an adult, even though I had seen what real estate could do for us financially, I also did not want that level of stress in my life. You didn't want to go into the quicksand. I did not. (laughs) I really, really did not. Yeah. But I graduated from college during a recession and I couldn't find work. And I was freaked out about that. Like, I did not want to be the woman that got married for money. Right? Like to marry some guy because I had to. MRS degree. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I really wanted to be independent and be able to make my choices based on what I wanted with my life rather than any feeling of desperation or need. So I very much wanted to be able to take care of myself, but I was determined to not do real estate. One day I remember I was sitting with my dad over the kitchen table and he said something to me that changed my life. I was freaking out, telling him all my fears. And he said, You know, Monica, Everybody has fear, everybody has stress, and everybody has money problems. Yeah. Do you want poor people money problems or do you want rich people money problems? Yeah. And for my very first thought was rich people have money problems? Like, <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Right, exactly. Right. And so the problem just goes downstream. That's all there is to it. It's I just mean, a it's, different set of problems, yeah. right? Yeah, it is. Um, so I made a choice in that moment that I wanted rich people money yeah. problems, but there were some caveats. I knew, based on my experience with my dad, that real estate was a long-term game. So if I decided that I was going to invest in real estate, it was going to be in my life for a very long time. So did I want something in my life for a very long time that was going to cause me stress? No. So I decided right there and then that if I was going to do the investing, it was going to be what I call blissful. So I created systems. I streamlined my investing and developed the skills with it myself for when challenges do come up so that through that process, I can enjoy the entire journey and keep it blissful. That's how that whole thing started. Now, the $10,000, actually, my husband and I didn't have that either. We were not married. And for our wedding, we just asked for money. Yeah. Yeah. And so that $10,000 that we got as gifts, Mm -hmm. instead of going on an extravagant honeymoon or buying a big TV or new sofa or whatever, what a lot of people do, right? We invested in a home. And so that's how we got started. We put 5% down. We invested in a home. I waited for it to appreciate. I took a bridge loan out of that. And then I invested in the next property. And that's how I got started. And then over the years, so it's taken me about 20 years to get to the retirement number that I wanted for myself. But I was also really kind of casual about the process. I wasn't like on top of it because I had another career. I was in marketing in corporate. Um, So I just didn't give it all of that attention. I will say this, if I had been on it, if I'd been much more like precise about what I invested, what I did, it would have happened much faster. So I just say that so that people can understand there's a long game. You can also have it go a little bit shorter. But I will say this about investing in real estate. Understand that it does take time. And anybody who says you can make money really fast in real estate, 
Uh-uh. <laughs> Maybe you can, yeah. but if you give yourself the time to be right, you're more likely to be successful. Does that make I, sense? No, it totally makes sense. I mean, it's my philosophy. We've done step investing for 35 years of our marriage, you know, yeah. and and really what you're talking about is step investing, you know, where you have one property and you springboard from that into another and you springboard from that into a third. And then pretty soon they all pay each other off. Now you have free and clear properties, you know, and you, you just do a lot of step investing. But yeah, it definitely takes time. And, and I actually have a real estate investing coach still today. He's one of my seven coaches that I have. And yeah. he always talks about it. And of course, I already believe it and live it. But he talks about the fact, you know, hey, everybody welcome. And if you're here for quick money, go ahead and leave. <laughs> because it's, it's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. it's really, it, it really does take some time. So it's really good to have that knowledge around it. So what have you learned in your investing and what are you using? Because, you know, our mess is our message. Absolutely. Right, right. What we learned, we say, okay, that's what we're going to teach other people how to do faster and better than we can. So what did you learn in that 20 years that you're now teaching people? And, you know, for our audience who's listening, you know, who are loan officers and real estate agents and a few entrepreneurs and investors, but what are some lessons that you learned that you'd like to share with everyone if they want to get started or if they're in the midst of it and they're struggling? You know, what are some things you'd like to share with us? Yeah. So first of all, as real estate agents and loan officers, you have a huge opportunity for creating wealth in a way where you're not trading time for dollars. So I was a mortgage broker also for several years. And one of the things that I kind of realized was that I had to keep calling clients, right? It was like I was only as good Starting as the over next deal. All the time. Yep. That's right. Yeah. Or you get a team, right? Yep. But I don't know if, if this is true for everybody all over the country, but I remember the real estate agents that had a team seemed to work harder than the real estate agents that didn't oh, have wow. a team. Because yeah. now they were like doing their own deals, but then they were also managing the team. They were managing oh, wow. the office. Yeah. There was all these other things that they were doing. I want to and, meet them because I want to help them. Yeah, yeah have- good. I would love yeah. to hear about that. Yeah. But, and I think that, actually, I would love to hear more about that. But most of the people that I was seeing they were doing a lot of things that they didn't enjoy. They enjoyed the sales process. They enjoyed meeting with clients. And now they were managing this team and they were managing the business. And there was was all this stuff that they didn't love. And I really was not interested in that path. And so what I ended up doing as a mortgage broker, I started holding open houses for for the agents that were in the office, the real estate agents. And if I liked a house, I would make an offer on it. Oh, there you go. And so that, right? And then the agents started to hear that Mm -hmm. I was an investor. And so they would give me pocket listings. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you have pocket listings in your market. Oh, I do. Yeah. Definitely So, but they would let me know this more. And I actually get them all the time now from those old days. It's been like six years, right? But it's interesting because like as soon as they found out, they'd say, I've got this deal. It's going on the market. It's a fixer. Do you want it? Before I put it on the MLS and I'd be, I'd go take the look and I was a yes or a no. That's actually how I build my original portfolio was because agents were now coming to me. So this is one of the things that I really want to impart to you, agents and loan officers. That's okay. <laughs> is that, a second. That's right. <laughs> um, I don't normally actually talk to loan officers and agents, so it's kind of funny to do this, but yeah. it's how I built my business is that there were two things that I did that you can really keep in mind. 
first of all, use your internal resources Mm -hmm. because as you learn to invest, that cash flow will start to replace your hustle cash flow. Most of my clients were investors. So as a loan officer, I might have 15 clients, but I would be making like $200,000 a year. Yeah. Why? Because they were investors. They get more loans. They buy more homes. They sell more homes. They refinance more often. So as a loan agent, it's like a goldmine if you can deal with investors. And agents, so I know that then you're dealing with sales, but you also get their listings, right? So if you can focus on investors and investors like to deal with agents that are investors, right? They want to know that you're an expert. So if you use my first strategy of getting, starting to become an investor, and then you start to market to investors, you've got this cohesive business as an ecosystem that then kind of takes care of itself and it becomes a much more blissful process for you. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And, uh, you know, I love your tactic of doing the open houses. I kind of kept mine a little more secret. One of my niches was investors because I was an investor. That's why exactly. it started as me being an investor and then reaching out to investors. I never went to open houses. I hate open houses. I have to be honest with you. And everybody who listens to this knows I'm not an open house girl. Can't stand it. Don't like going to them. <laughs> But I also, you know, kind of felt like I, you know, my personal investing and what I did, I would certainly tell my clients who were investors, but I wasn't telling my real estate agents, you know, hey, I'm a real estate investor. So, you know, throw me some things. I was very quiet about that because I had one realtor that I did all my stuff with and I kept it that way. Yeah. I just, I mean, it was just my way, but I had a lot of pocket listings that came to me, some things that, you know, came up and I still work with her today which is really Mm -hmm. cool. And she still gives me some really cool things, which we can talk about too. But yeah, so, but I I love the fact that you're talking about that niche because I've expressed that so many times, you know, again, if you want to be in that real estate world, but let's talk about realtors, what can they do? And then I want to go back to both realtors and loan officers in how they can invest, right? Which I know you've talked a little bit about, but let's talk about what the realtors can do to help move their business forward as it relates to investing, just as you mentioned with the mortgage. Yeah. So again, this is one of those things that realtors get that the rest of us don't get. They get people who call them and say, I'm looking to list a property, (laughs) right? So real estate agents, so they get people that come to them with listings. And the thing that they get, and this is one of the things that I see with a lot of my real estate agents is that they get a listing, they go take a look at it, and they'll offer just, just often make an offer. The benefit to the person that's coming to them with the listing is that they don't have to show the house. They usually don't have to fix it up. They don't have all the stress. No holding costs, none of it. Yeah. That's right, right? The real estate agent can come in and just say, okay, I'm going to take this one. So that's my big thing is that, you know, every single time you get a listing, it's a mind tweak here. Because most agents get a listing and they think commission, mm-hmm. right? Like I yeah. can't, they don't think commission. I mean, people think how they can help each other. You understand what I'm saying? But right. when right. they yeah. think about how am I going to make money, they think commission. Instead, first think passive income. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's the mind tweak. Instead of I'm taking this as a listing to sell it and get commission, you want to be the first to consider it as a possible passive income source for yourself. So that's the very first tweak. And I think it's the most important thing. Everything else, real estate agents are smart enough to figure it out, like what's next. 
But that mind tweak can be the difference between building wealth as an investor or just staying an agent and just working for commissions forever, right? Yeah. So let me ask you another question. So if someone doesn't have cash, because one of the things that we know about that can happen in both of these industries is the ebb and flow. I wouldn't even call it ebb and flow, peaks and valleys, right? Ebb and flow is a little easier to deal with. Peaks and valleys. And I know from my personal experience of teaching realtors for the last 20 years, you know, whenever I've asked the question, you know, how many of you own your own home? right? There's a handful because sometimes there's some millennials that don't quite have their own home yet, right? You know, everybody raises their hand. And then how many of you have an investment property? And I have to tell you, it's less than 5% of every room that I've been in that a real estate agent has real estate. And Mm -hmm. I say, you know, it's kind of like a Mary Kay consultant coming up to you and saying, hey, you should wear makeup. I don't wear makeup, but you should wear makeup. Right. And so, <laughs> so when a, true. Right. And so when a client says, you know, hey, is this a good time to buy? And the real estate agent says, Oh yeah, it's really good. I'm not buying, but you should buy. That to me is crazy. This is our and the same thing with lenders. This is the product we're selling. Why aren't we using the product we're selling? That's right. Right. I love that. Mm-hmm. And so that's just scary, right? It's it's like they've gone through it once, maybe twice, and you know, it's, I don't know, it's just really hard for me to comprehend. But what kind of strategy can you suggest for them to put themselves in a position where they can buy? Because I'm sure, you know, as a real estate investor, you know, coach, you're, you've got some strategies on how people can accumulate cash when they have inconsistent income and how they could buy homes and things. And I know a couple ways, but, and of course, there's the traditional way of save enough money and then do it. But what kind of strategies do you have for someone who's listening and saying, by gosh, you know, I probably need to start investing in the product I sell. I just don't know where to begin. First of all, thank you so much for bringing that out because I am completely awestruck by how many people are trying to market to investors that aren't investing themselves. And to me, the advice that I give on my show all the time is only take advice for someone who is where you want to be or is doing what you want to do. So You don't want to be working with an agent who's not an investor if you're looking for investment property. I mean, it's because there's things that you learn from the actual experience of being an investor that you can't learn from just helping clients, right? So anyway, so- Mindset's different. It's totally different. As a consumer, you don't know that until you start investing. (laughs) That's right. That's right. It's not emotional attachment to the rate or to the house. It's all about the numbers. The numbers don't lie. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So when I talk to, and I know a lot of real estate agents that don't own their own home, again, I'm completely flabbergasted by that. Mm -hmm. So here is what I tell. There's a couple of different ways. There are many ways to fund real estate. You can go the traditional way. The traditional way right now is a little bit rough because the low doc and the no doc loans have tightened up quite a lot, especially at this time. But since 2008, anyways, they've been a little bit tough to get to which is good. (laughs) It's kept a lot of people out of trouble, right? But those are options possibly Mm -hmm. if you don't have consistent income. But the very first thing to do is to make sure you own your own home. And I know that this is a topic that people go back and forth, right? but the advantage of having your own home is it's easier to get in. You can get a loan for just three and a half percent down. Three. Right? Yep. If you want to go FHA, if you don't want to go FHA, you can get it for 5% down, 
right? So you don't need the level of cash to get into a primary residence that you need to get into an investment property. And you get to write it off and you get to take advantage of the appreciation. And once you have that appreciation of that equity, you can get a second, either a loan, a home equity loan or a home equity line of credit on your primary residence and invest as you say to step. There are not very many loans out there. I don't know if any where you can get a second or an equity line on an investment property. There isn't. You just have to refinance cash out, right? Which is hard money and then you pay interest on that, right? But on your primary residence, you can use this stepping strategy where it doesn't cost you any more. The rates are significantly lower. The ratios required are higher, right? They're more lenient and it's just easier to get in. So from my perspective, the very first step is to own your own home. Yeah, and then turn that into an investment property on the exit. Yeah. That's exactly right. You can turn that into an investment property on the exit, or if you love it, you use the equity and buy another investment property. So there's a couple of different ways to use it, but it's the single most important asset, especially if you're an agent. If you're selling houses, own your home, like at the very base level, you know? So. That would be my thing. What is your specialty that you help people with? What type of finance, I mean, not financing, but what type of investing do you really specialize in? Because I know I have a specialty. I don't do, you mentioned a fix and flip. I don't do those at all. I don't either. Yeah. I don't do them at all. I do something completely different. So what type of investing are you pushing at this particular time? And here we are, we're recording this, we're in COVID, right? So right. we will be when it gets released too. We're in COVID. And so there's a shift. I know I've made a shift in my investing, you know, with the anticipation of what's going to happen with some foreclosures and some short sales that are going to be, and some moves, just some plain mm-hmm. old moves. I lost my job. My company went out of business and I have to move. Right. I buy executive homes. So all I do is I save up my capital and then when I qualify for a loan, I buy a really nice place and I put executives in there. So I'm like a full on buy and hold. Every once in a while, like in 2009, 2010, I bought a lot of properties that were distressed because people were going through foreclosures. So I would buy them as REOs. I would fix them up and then I would put renters into them. So I don't flip them. Mm-hmm. But I have at times bought distressed properties. And I'm actually kind of looking at that now also yeah. is on the other side of COVID, helping people to get out of their homes, right? Without Instead of going for foreclosures mm-hmm. more, they need out. How can I support them in that? Yeah. A lot of times they do need a little fixing, right? Yeah. There has been distress, but it's, I buy a nice home, fix it so it's nicer. And then I put an executive in that home. So that's yeah, actually been as, my strategy. Yeah. So are you putting executives in as uh, renters or are you doing options? They just rent. They just rent. Yeah, I'm curious about that because I do a little bit of both. (laughs) So Okay, yeah. Yeah. And and it's interesting because I have frequently offered them an opportunity to do a rent to own, a a lease option to own. I don't know why they don't take me up on it. And I think a part of that is that a lot of these executives come to the Bay Area. They see the price of housing. And they're like, I'm never going to buy here. I'm going to stay here for two years. And then I'm going back home after I make all this money. But then they fall in love. And then they put in two, three, five years into a market where they never bought. And many times they do go home. But you know, I've got renters who have been with me for seven to 10 years that they just never took that lease option and they never bought. It's a little confusing to me, but I think a lot, everybody has their own reasons for the way. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, okay, you know. I actually just had a renter tell me yesterday, 
that he's leaving my house because him and his girlfriend are buying something. And I was like, yes, yay, yay, yay. You're like, good on you. But he's been with me for 10 years. Oh my you know? goodness, yeah. <laughs> Well, the good thing is you can increase rent. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's exactly right. That's I'm not concerned at all. Leaving. Yeah, that's a good thing about yeah. leaving. You know, put a few more light fixtures in and increase the rent. I love that. So now I know that one of the things that you have for us, I want to ask you about the formula, right? That you're the creator of the Blissful Real Estate Investor Formula. So I'd like to talk about that a little bit um, because there's a reason that you put bliss in here. It's just that you didn't want the stress and strain, you know, or the mentality or the mindset of doing that. I know you have something that you were talking about the mindset from going from mundane to magical, you know? Yes. So what are some thoughts about that? Because some people are thinking, oh my gosh, going into investor, I don't know the numbers. I have to, I, what if I have to do improvements? What do, who do I call? There's so many variables that you have to have. And I would just say right now, plant some seeds, right? Build your team. But mm -hmm. how am I going to keep my head on straight? How am I going to not want to just stab myself? <laughs> Right. Yeah. Going through this. So tell us about your program. Just tell us about your program in general. Yeah. For me, it's really about mindset and spending only as much time and resources as is comfortable for you. So the very first thing that I talk to people about is what are your values? What are your needs? What are your resources? And from that, we decide on your goals. But the reason we approach it that way is because so many people go out there and say, I want to invest in real estate. I heard that's a really good idea. I'm going to go do that. But they don't have any understanding of sort of their own values and how that fits in. So for instance, if your value is having a ton of free time so that you can have adventures, and then you decide that you're going to be a wholesaler or a flipper, which is just <laughs> another job, yeah. right? Yeah. Like how right. That doesn't even match. And yeah. I think so many people don't even know well enough what their values are to build a life based on that. They build a life and wonder why they're discontent, why they want to like pull out their hair. Why are they so stressed out? It's because their internal world is not aligned with the external world that they've created. So the very first thing is to be very aware of what your values are and to start making decisions based on those. So for me, my value is adventure, right? So I do buy and hold. You know why? Because I don't have to spend a lot of time with that. The other thing is that I train my tenants. I decided on executive tenants yep. because they do not want a landlord breathing down their neck. So they're happy to take care of the home. Yep. They call me for Christmas and my birthday. Everything else gets taken care of. When yep. I have a turnover, they've had other friends that have come to the house. They turn me over to another client. Like literally, yep. I have very little to do. But that was based on my personal values. Who is it yeah. that I like doing business with? What kinds of people? Yeah. And what do I want my life to really be like? And this isn't a pie in the sky thing like, oh, I want to make $2 million tomorrow. No, 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 no. This yeah. was based yeah. on what are my values and why am I doing the things that I'm doing? So that's the very first piece is really get aware. And this is in my coursework. Get aware of who you really are and then yeah. start to build a strategy and a business based on that. The other thing that's really, really important is resources. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about resources, everybody, the very first thing they think about is money. But there are a lot no, of different I'm resources. <laughs> right. Okay. So team and resources. What about yeah. your risk aversion? Yeah. What about your emotional resources? What about I have 20 years or I have five years? Mm -hmm. What about how much time each week can I spend on this? What about, I've got a lot, I want more time with my elderly parents or my young children. 
right? Those are all resources and we don't think about those. And so we make commitments where we overstep our own boundaries. Yes, all the time. Right? Yep. So yeah, so that's another thing. So now if you're able to build a business based on your values and your resources, and then you set specific goals, it's a lot easier. And then your big why, like what is the true reason for this? It's not because money is a good idea. There is a better reason for you. Once you have all of those, I'm saying resources again, but you understand what I mean. Like once you have all of that information for yourself, now you can build a business that is aligned with who you are. And it's by definition going to be less stressful. And when stress comes up, it's easier to move forward because you know why you're doing it. It's aligned with who you are, right? So you're pulled forward and you develop and you can develop the skills to deal with those stressful moments. My book, Choose Bliss, is all about the strategies on how to deal with stress and challenges so that you can live a joyful life no matter what's going on out there. I always say to people, we can't control what's going on in the world outside of us, but we can always control how we choose to respond. You develop those skills to when the challenges come up, when you're feeling like, what am I doing? Right. right? When you're trying to make a decision about a problem, you now have these skills to lift yourself up and come at it from a rational perspective rather than the often freaked out perspective of investors. Yeah. No, I absolutely love that. In fact, a, a colleague of mine was on my podcast as well, and Steve Kyles, and he said that his pastor, and this was during COVID, right? As soon as COVID started, the pastor said, the only way that your boat can sink is if you let what's on the outside in. Mm-hmm. That is so good. I love Isn't that. Isn't that good? That is good. I'm going to use that one. Right? And so the more you let the outside in and the outside in and all these extent, you know, extenuating circumstances in, that's when it starts sinking because emotionally you can't dig it out enough. You know, you can't, whatever they call it with the buckets. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you can't do it. And uh, yeah, I think that's really, really important. Yeah. And I'll tell you, you know, that was part of the decision that I made, you know, is that my dad was a class A contractor. He was an architect and I could have very, in my degrees in architecture and engineering, and I could have taken the route of fix and flip because that's basically what they did. They would buy five acres of land in Colorado they go buy five acres of land and my dad would go down to the auction and buy a mobile home, a trailer. Mm-hmm. He would have it carted up. He would put it on a permanent foundation, dig the well, did the septic, you know, do all that. They would rent it to people. And if people stayed for five years, they would offer to hold the note and sell it to them because they never mm-hmm. owned anything. They never had debt on anything. And that's how they accumulated their wealth, right? That's great. Dad can swing a hammer. <laughs> not me. I can't do that. That's a, Even I mean, if you I could, who would want to? <laughs> but I want to, right. Yeah. So for me, that was a little bit different. And then I also wanted to grow faster because I had a very specific goal of retiring from traditional lending, you know, after being in a certain period of time and being a certain age. And, you know, I had very specific goals. So I wanted to accelerate mine. And so part of my acceleration was not waiting to save money for every deal because it would take too long to save, you know, and, and of course lending changed from five, well, 10% down with PMI on an investor all the way to 20% and more down. And I just said, you know, now I've got to find other outlets to do this. And that was something that changed the way that I invest now 
that I like to keep kind of secret. <laughs> I don't mean to keep it that way, but I just don't want to get it out there. I don't want to get it out there. Not because I'm afraid other people won't be successful. I just don't want to put it out on my podcast. You know, kind of quirky stuff. And, um, you know, and the reason I do that is because I can gobble up four or five houses a month if I want. Interesting. Yeah, instead of waiting. And um, so that's what I'm prepared to do now. Now that we're in COVID, I'm prepared to, I've reached out, I've planted seeds with all my real estate friends, you know, and said, okay, this is where I'm heading. So I planted the seeds with you. I want to gobble up another five or 10 properties in the next, you know, before the end of the year. So that's where we're headed. You know, this is what's so great about investing is there's so many different options available. I always tell people there are a million ways to make a million dollars in real estate. Like there are just so many options. And that's why I say to start your business from the inside out. You have talents and skills also. Like, Like you were saying, Jen, you don't like to do open houses where I do. And we're still very, very successful, right? We also have talents and skills and preferences that help us to run a business a certain way. So that's a piece of that package I was talking about, the information. You can go from the inside and create a strategy that will work beautifully for you and will be less stressful. You won't have to do all of those things that you hate to do. You can delegate those out. You can build your team, right? But the piece that you do does not have to be stuff that you hate doing because there are so many ways to do this, right? Absolutely. And there's two other points that, I mean, it's called the hedgehog theory, right? Do what you love to do, what you're good at and what makes financial sense for you. If it doesn't make Mm -hmm. sense for you, don't do it. If you don't like doing it, don't do it. If you're not good at it, make a decision that you're going to be good at it if all the other parts work for you. And Mm -hmm. I think that that, you know, all by itself is a really, really important piece of it. But the other part is when you're doing something that's in alignment with you and that you love, it's a magnet of attraction. It is. Rather than the, you know, two magnets coming together and fighting because people can see that they're turned off by it and they won't come to you for business. That's right. You said something interesting earlier where the numbers have to work. And as real estate investors, the numbers have to work. It is true. But real estate is not a numbers business. No. The numbers have to work, but real estate is a people business. And so just what Jen was talking about with the magnets, instead of being two magnets that are pushing against each other, if you're a magnetic person and you're out there being the person that people want to do business with, the business is automatically easier. Whether it's you're trying to find tenants, you're trying to find vendors, you're trying to find construction workers, you're trying to find a mortgage broker, an agent, whatever, you're going to get much better taken care of. Your life in general is going to be so much easier if you understand that it's a people business and those relationships are such a big deal. And if, again, if you're building in alignment, you're able to stay that magnetic person because you're not stressed out. You're not freaked out, you know, and even when you are stressed out, you're able to be consistently a delightful person to work with. Does that make sense? You know what your purpose is, you know? And so, yeah. So one of the things I say, you know, is that my company, we believe that if you work on purpose, you can play with passion. Yes. Oh, I love that. Right? Yeah. (laughs) If you work on purpose, you can play with passion. And I think that that's really, really key. Have intentional work so that you can go do what you really love to do and have that bliss and that joy in your life and everything. How does someone get a hold of you? What is the best way? We'll have all kinds of links in the uh, show notes, you know, for your LinkedIn and and all of that, which by the way, I just connected with you today. So please respond. Um, (laughs) 
I always make sure that we're connected before we get on, you know, right as we get on the call. So when yeah. they publish that we're not trying to find each other, right? So we'll have all those links, but what is the best way to get in touch with you? If someone says, you know, I really want to know, I want to learn how to do real estate investing where I don't feel like I'm just a mess or I've tried it before and it didn't work and it, ugh, ugh, you know, and I don't want to do it again. How can we yeah. reach you? Yeah. So I'd like to offer your audience a couple of places. The first one is blissfulinvestor.com. That's the best place to meet me. You'll see my podcast there. I've got several books. You'll see those up there. And you see all my programs and what I teach. Everything is there on blissfulinvestor.com. And then the other thing that I just want to mention to people is I'm helping people right now to get those bridge loans, to get them into real estate. So if you have a 640 credit score, you can right now, and this is because of the COVID, this is one of the blissful things about COVID. There's not a lot, but this is one of them, is there are lenders out there that are offering you 0% for 21 months to get you over this hump. So if you're looking to invest and you want to take advantage of what like Jen is saying is like right now, I want to gobble things up. I love that term. You want to start gobbling some things up. You can get loans from 100,000 to 500,000 with 0% down with a 640 credit score. If you want to find out more about those bridge loans to help you out, go to blissfulinvestor.com forward slash funding. Okay. So blissfulinvestor.com forward slash funding. Okay, cool. That's good. And is that for business owners or is that for just everybody who wants to take out some equity in their property? So those are collateralized, Um, right? They are not collateralized. These are uncollateralized. So so these are personal loans. Yes, which is why they look at your credit score also, but they're personal loans. There's just a few questions that they're asking, but they're being generous with getting these loans out there. I don't know how long they're going to last. It's a COVID special type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> so um, definitely, you know, go take a look at it. Limited time only. Loans. Let's hope. Let's look. Yeah, let's yeah, yeah. Limited time only. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. So a couple last questions for you is what are you reading right now that's inspiring you? I'm reading The One Thing. Oh, I love Gary that book. Keller. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I actually read it a couple times before. Mm-hmm. I'm in the process of kind of pivoting my own business. Like right now, there's so many opportunities. I'm kind of taking a look at what some of those opportunities are and how I want them to fit into my life. So it's really, really good to focus back on what are those, that one thing that I can do each day to move myself forward through this pivot. And so I'm really enjoying it again. That's great. Yeah. I've actually read it several <laughs> times that I have all kinds of different ink marks in there, you know, and yes. different times that it's almost like I should be highlighting and circling what I haven't read in the book. Um, <laughs> You're so funny. I know. It's, it's kind of a weird thing. And I love, love, love reading. So I usually write in the inside covers, you know, in the back cover yes. and those extra pages and stuff. That's where I write my notes, my action items from a book. So as I'm taking, mm-hmm. I go through and I write them you know, and I go back and then I write my action items so that I can take something out of the book and actually learn it. So now I've got like five or six pages of that one. And that's not the only book. I got other ones where I've actually had to put paper in there so that I'd have actionable items on them. But I love that book. And, you know, I would recommend that for anybody who's listening now because, you know, Mr. Keller, Dan Keller, he put it to, right, Dan? Dan. Yep. Yeah. No, Gary. It was Gary. 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 Yeah. Gary put that together, you know, and really shares, you know, this really great way of doing real estate. And it's Mm -hmm. ironic in the back of my book, and I didn't dedicate a lot to this and I should have, but at the back of my book, the last chapter in the book is, you know, now what are you going to do? Now you're successful and you have money and you have a team, or if you have whatever you want and you're successful, now what are you going to do? Please invest in real estate. Make sure 
that you're growing and creating that passive income for yourself or what I call mailbox income. I just want to go to the mailbox, open it up. Oh, look at that, right? There's a check. Yes. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. And it's all for me. For me, it's all to serve charity. Mm. I do a lot of charity work. I, I love charity and I can't do charity if I have to go to my J-O-B. There's That's two things on that, right? Like you, if you have to go to J-O-B, you don't have the time. And if you don't have the money, you don't have the money, right? So and that, that's one of those things. I'm very much all about being philanthropic with the money and time now that I've got those things too. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm absolutely with you on that. It's one yeah. of the blissful things about being wealthy that we can do is really help to make the world a better place. You well, know? we're required to. <laughs> yes, that <laughs> is exactly required. right. Okay, so last question is a quote. Do you have a quote, even if it's your quote? I think it's great. What kind of a quote do you have for someone who is thinking about investing in real estate or who is struggling in real estate and wants a more blissful experience? So this is my quote, and this is what I close every one of my shows with. It is, goals without action are just dreams. So get out there, take action, and create the life your heart deeply desires. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's an old one, but it's true. <laughs> right? It is. It is so true. Yeah. yeah. I love it. I love it when my listeners to my podcast come back and say, Monica, I'm taking action. I'm creating the life my heart deeply desires. And I just giggle. It's so good. <laughs> I love well, that. And it feels good, doesn't it? Because you know, you made an impact on somebody. And you know, and that's the thing about real estate investing is that you are making an impact on people's lives. You're helping people that are in distress. You're helping people that just need to move. You're helping people that need to move quickly. You're helping people that need a home, right? You're that's helping right. people repair credit. There's a lot of things that you're doing and create memories. I mean, mm -hmm. you're just doing so much when you're doing real estate and, you know, making money and having the legacy is a side note. Well, all. real estate is a foundation of society. We all need a place to live. Yeah. So as a real estate investor, you have an opportunity to grow communities, neighborhoods, people's lives, families, yeah. dreams. You have so many opportunities on a very foundational level of something that everybody needs to change the world yeah. one little bit at a time. Well said. What a perfect way to end our time together. Monica, I want to say thank you so much for sharing this. And I encourage everybody to go to blissfulinvestor.com. And if you're interested in the funding, do forward slash funding, but otherwise just go to blissfulinvestor.com. And I think you've got like a questionnaire or something like that about investing. And, and it's a free gift actually free, that shows yeah. you how to do, go from $10,000 to 2 million or how I did it. There you go. So there you yeah. go. There you go. So if you're interested in that and why wouldn't you be? <laughs> <laughs> go grab it. <laughs> go grab it. Oh my goodness. Yeah, go grab it. So again, thank you so much for taking so much time with us today. We sure appreciate it. And I look forward to being on your podcast as well. And we'll hopefully get the link to that podcast. You know, we'll have the link to your podcast, but hopefully Absolutely. to that show by the time we release as well. So we can find out what we were talking about on that one, right? Absolutely. I, think, I can't wait to continue to talk with you and continue to grow with you. So thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah. Thank you for having me, Jen. This is a pleasure. Absolutely. So I just want to remind everybody that we have a, another workshop coming up, a three-day workshop in September. So I will have the link in the show notes as well. And it's called Cracking the Top Producer Code, which is what they're all called. How do you crack that top producer code? And if you have interest in joining us there, please be sure to click on that link so that you can come there and spend three days with me if you want. Poor thing. <laughs> no, I hope to see you all there. 
So thank you again for joining us today and we'll catch you next time on Mortgage Lending Mastery. Thanks for listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Be sure to subscribe to hear more sales tips, ideas, strategies, and tactics to help you with your personal and professional growth to multiply your results in record time. And if you like what we're doing, don't forget to give us a rating and review so we can continue to bring you the best content possible. Wanting more beyond the podcast? Join our Mortgage Lending Mastery membership community where you will find extended interviews with our favorite guests, weekly training, tips, and insider secrets, fireside chats with Jen, free content, meet, share, and collaborate with other members, and so much more. Click the link in the show notes to learn more about this exclusive content. Mortgage Lending Mastery is an industry syndicate charter podcast. Industry Syndicate is the first podcast network specifically for the mortgage and real estate industries. Get the Industry Syndicate app in the App Store or Google Play today.